Hello, Move Nation, and welcome to another episode of United We Move podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Beckner, and today I will share with you my recent interview with Ashley Andrews. And for those of you who are around the gym, uh, you might not recognize her name, and that's because she is not an actual member of our gym, but she's a member of our community by proxy. And that proxy is that she is my mentor. She is the mentor for Matt and I at the gym uh, in our business. And she works for a company called Two Brain Business. And this is a mentoring group. And they focus mainly with gym owners, CrossFit affiliates, etc. But also they delve in other areas as well. And so uh, we've been working with Ashley since the beginning of 2020. So earlier this year, we started working with her. It's just been a great experience for us. She's really impacted the way we run the business and how we interact with our clients and how we communicate. So I wanted to get her on and just discuss her background in CrossFit and what it's like to be a gym owner and what it's like to be a mentor and uh, just a few other things that she's got going on. So this was a fun conversation for me to have. Normally, uh, we meet once a month and discuss all things about me. So it was great to get to spend some time with her and discuss things about her. So I hope you enjoy this conversation. Please give it a listen. Please enjoy. Thanks for coming on the podcast and yeah. uh, taking the time out of your schedule to talk with me. I know you got a lot going on with both the gym and the mentoring that you do. So, and I'm sure the four kids and all of that, uh, you know, <laughs> helps add to your plate. But so recently I'm doing a series of interviews with folks who aren't necessarily directly integrated with our community at Move, okay. but who still have a profound impact on it. And so recently I had a talk with Pat Barber and of course we discussed the programming and fitness aspects of our community. And I thought it'd be great to get you on as both a gym owner and an entrepreneur and as our mentor. Cool. So maybe we can start with what it is that really brings us together and that is CrossFit. Yeah. And so can you discuss how you got started with CrossFit and what those early days were for you? Yeah. So um, I was talking to another mentee earlier today and realized I have that classic story of I was the New Year's resolution 10 years ago that was going to the YMCA. And I was the queen of Zumba and 20-minute abs. Like, that was my jam. <laughs> and uh, my Zumba instructor became a friend of mine. And she said, hey, my boyfriend just did this workout down in South Florida, and it's called the Filthy 50. Do you want to try it with me? I was like, yeah, it sounds cool. So we did the Dirty 30, uh -huh. and I died. Like, and I thought I was in pretty good shape. So um, they ended up opening their own CrossFit gym shortly after that. And uh, so, yeah, that's, that's how I got started. My New Year's resolution turned into me getting really serious about fitness and, and joining CrossFit gym. Cool. And when was that? Um, my son was born in 2007, so I would say 2009. Okay, great. You're in DeLand. How do you say it? DeLand or DeLand? DeLand. 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 Yeah. yeah, so if, if somebody comes to town and they say DeLand, you know they're from out of town. <laughs> I've actually never heard that version of it, but I might use it. <laughs> they, people from DeLand, so DeLand's funny. Everybody thinks Florida like giant cities and very... Um, 
populated. Deland isn't that. It's still a very small town. And so people that are from Deland, they don't leave Deland. Like they don't go to Orlando. They don't go to Daytona. They stay in Deland. So if you're not from Deland, you're very much an outsider. And I'm oh. not from Deland. So, <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, I've heard every version of it, but that's a good one. <laughs> good. What led you to becoming a gym owner? So um, my friends, Matt and Ashley, that I started CrossFit with, um, I started coaching for them. And it's kind of funny. So when they first opened their gym, um, I said to them, I'm going to work for you guys one day. And they were like, what are you going to do for us? And I was like, I don't know, <laughs> but I'm going to do something for you. So I started coaching CrossFit kids and uh, kind of quickly figured out, although I had kids, I didn't like kids. <laughs> to <coach. laughs> It's like hurting huh. cats. Yeah. Uh, so then, you know, started coaching adults and, um, I actually was going through a divorce and, um, had zero skills and hadn't worked in since I had my son. So my son was probably six at the time and I had one skill in life and that was to coach CrossFit. And so I could coach CrossFit and I had a paid off car. So in case you don't know this, um, you can take a loan on a paid off car. So I got $12,000 and <laughs> did some research and figured out that DeLand needed a CrossFit gym, that people spent money on recreation and outdoor stuff in DeLand. So I was like, well, this is perfect. I can open a CrossFit gym. So um, opened um, what is now CrossFit Nika, Nika Athletics, and just been going ever since with my paid off car loan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I guess 12,000 back then would have gotten you a pretty decent gym. And if you knew somebody who had 25,000, I mean, they were top of the line. Oh yeah. You know? Yeah. Cause, yeah. Cause when we started, you know, we built everything. So it's like just the cost of lumber and, you know, our even barbells, you know, barbells were 150 bucks back then versus the 350 to 500 or, or you know, uh, in COVID, it's like $10,000 for a barbell now. Um, so yeah, it, it didn't take much to start a, a pretty decent CrossFit gym back then. No, it didn't. And, and you know, the, the space that we're still in now that we just purchased, um, we went and looked at it and it had old medical equipment in it. It was really creepy. And so, but I could see it. Like I could uh -huh. see this space being a gym. And so we cleaned everything out and painted for what felt like years. And uh, the week after Thanksgiving opened, which was a really bad time of year to open a CrossFit gym, but didn't right. matter. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, we, we had that and we, were, we had seven clients on day one. So I was like, sweet. Oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah. 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 I mean, we opened in 2008, you know, okay. so right in the middle of the biggest depression we've ever known. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, probably not a great time to start either, but, you know, uh, it's worked out okay. Yeah. You said you hadn't done anything since your first child. Mm -hmm. So what were you doing before your first child? What was your vocation or what was your career before that? Yeah. So I went to college. I picked the most fun um, that I could do. That was my goal. And it was outdoor recreation. So mm -hmm. that was what my degree is in, is outdoor recreation. And um, when you get a degree in outdoor recreation, basically you, I went to school in upstate New York. So you went camping and um, scuba was a class and all that good stuff. And so my plan was to go to, I, I really love um, 
older populations. And so I was going to go to work for a nursing home and do outdoor recreation with those folks and kind of all went to the wayside um, because you really can't find a lot of jobs (laughs) in that. So um, I I did, you know, what I thought was right at the time and married my high school sweetheart. And my parents were like, yay, you know, now you have kids, like all that. So um, he owned a construction company. We're friends now and um, helped him run that construction company. So I had somewhat of a business background, but I had no clue really how to run a business. Uh Well, Florida seems like a good place to deal with the retired community and, and <laughs> you <laughs> take, take them scuba diving. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Definitely would think this would be the place to do that. But yeah. no, uh, it was fun. I mean, I had a great time in college. I tell my boys now, like, I don't care if you what you go to school for, but go to college, like just for the experience of being an adult with no bills, basically mm. is what college is yeah. or was for me. <laughs> Well, as a gym owner and as a business owner, what, what type of struggles did you face early on mm-hmm. um, and maybe continue to, but uh, what type of struggles did you face? And then how did that lead you into this whole two brain path? Yeah. So um, opened, opened our gym and things were somewhat successful, um, but <clears throat> I made the mistake of letting one family in the door and this one family was all the coaches and was the staff. And, um, that was our, I was a terrible leader and that's my fault. Like I learned, um, now as a grown leader and, and better at just being business that I did not lead these people. Well, what I let them do is whatever they wanted to do. And so, um, I was immature in that way. So, you know, it wasn't a struggle to get people in the door because they were from here. And so they brought everybody in and, um, but the gym became not my gym or not my vision of what it would, what I wanted. Um, again, totally my fault. So what happened was I experienced all the things and this sounds so strange when I say to my mentees, like, man, I'm so excited you're going through this struggle. And I'm like, why do you want me to struggle? And it's, it's because I need you to struggle because in being an entrepreneur and being a gym owner, there is circles of things you're going to go through. And as, as soon as you experience it the first time, when you experience it the second time, you deal with it different. So this family decided um, to open their own gym, which was totally cool had I known about it. And they all left, took 40 members with them. And here I sat, 40 less members with zero staff. Um, I called Chris Cooper. I emailed Chris Cooper and panicking and said, <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh, what, like I, what's going to happen? And he emailed me back a one-liner. And the one-liner was, um, if you're going to be in competition with anyone, you want it to be them. And at the time, I remember sitting in my car reading this in the parking lot. And I was like, well, that wasn't helpful at all. Screw you. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) What kind of advice is that? Um, So, but then, you know, of course, a couple hours later, he sends me back like a two-page email of all these things to be doing. Um, But he was exactly right, looking back. Because that was the moment that completely changed me once again. 
And so I've had about three times in my life where I'm like, oh, this is life changing. Like these three things are changing who I am. And that was one of them. And so I needed to experience um, a culture shift. I needed to become a leader. I needed to be able to hire staff. I needed to be able to fire staff, fire members, like all those things that it really takes to own a gym. And so that is what catapulted me into being a mentor and, and where I'm at now. Yeah. You mentioned the gym was mildly successful. How has your perception of what success is changed, but also how big of a deal is that first struggle that you had? How big of a deal is that to you now? Because I think like ideas of success change, ideas of failure change. Mm-hmm. So how is that for you? Post-COVID, my idea of success has completely changed mm-hmm. um, because I think our ideas of success change because our idea of what our perfect day is changes over time. What was once my perfect day is no longer my perfect day, which is fine. Um, I'm a big fan of change, which sometimes can get me in trouble. <laughs> um, <laughs> I like to do things as long as, as until I accomplish them. And then I'm like, well, what's next? You know? So, uh, success back before my biggest struggle was everybody else was happy. I wasn't necessarily happy. Mm-hmm. And so, um, when I had to take back over the gym and truly grow the vision that I really wanted, um, that's when I became successful in my own way. Now, post-COVID, it looks completely different in what success, once again, but um, I 100% agree with you that that's always changing for people. And then what about the challenges? So it's like losing 40 members. We've gone through maybe not that exact scenario, but we've definitely lost a handful of members like that at once. Yeah. Um, And in that moment... I think you tend to freak out a little bit, oh, like yeah. you said, but having gone through it and knowing everything you know now, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. do you think that you would react in the same way or you would have the same maybe level of fear surrounding such a big change like that? I think I would be lying if I said I didn't have fear, even if it happened today. You know, yeah. like we, um, we are we have another gym down the road from us and, and, um, guys doing crazy stuff like, uh, free memberships for a month. And then $99 after that, I know that that doesn't create success over time, but I would love to help this guy out, but he doesn't want my help. So, which is cool. Um, so, you know, if we lose a member to that still to this day, it doesn't make me excited. And I, (laughs) (laughs) I will, lay in bed at night and be like, man, what could we have done different? Or was there something, did we not show value? Did we not do X, Y, and Z? The difference in it now, whether it's 40 people or one person is my reaction to it. So do I lay in bed at night and let it keep me up all night and give me a stomach ache? Or do I lay in bed and say, okay, here's what I could have done different, or I couldn't have done anything different and be at peace with that. Mm -hmm. And that's why when I talk about like, I need I need my mentees to go through hard stuff. It's because I need their reactions to change because it's going to happen again. Mm-hmm. You, can't help, you, you can't prevent some of this stuff from happening sometimes. 
Right. I mean, in a lot of ways, you're going to keep having the same experience over and over and over again until you learn the lesson. Yep. Right. Exactly. Exactly. You were in business for several years before you approached Chris and the Two Brain uh, mentorship. And then I imagine you were going through that mentorship for several years. And then now you are a mentor yourself. Can you talk a little bit about what Two Brain actually is and, and what your roles are in that? Yeah. So Two Brain is a mentorship company, and that's what sets us apart. There's lots of, you know, CrossFit has done some amazing things. It has created so many other businesses, just like Pat Barber having warm up right. and workout or Rogue or whatever. And so um, there is a lot of business, um, I don't, I don't want to call them mentors because they're not mentors yep. um, within the CrossFit realm. Like, oh, do X, Y, and Z and you'll get 60 customers overnight. We are not that. And so as a mentor, I get to talk to gym owners all over the world, which is so cool. Like, I feel like I can leave here and go to Brazil and, you know, go see um, Vitor and go to, you know, uh, I have um, Cullum in Ireland, like all uh -huh. those people, right? So, um Jim, no matter where you are, though, it's very, it's all very the same. And so it's all very relatable. And it's my job to help gym owners like see through the weeds because I can see everything from 10,000 feet. Uh -huh. And I have no emotion attached to this client or this decision. And so I help gym owners remove the emotion and figure out what are the next things they need to do. So why did you decide to become a mentor? And I love to help people. I love to, um, it's so cool because just like doing this, you know, like when you asked me to do it, I forget sometimes that the conversations you and I have have an impact on so many other people. And so, um, you know, I get to help people in Deland get healthier and fitter. And, but now I get to help people all over the world. Get healthier and fitter and make gym owners happy. Right. As a mentor, um, I imagine you also have a mentor. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's coaches for everything. Uh, right. There's always somebody who's done it better, who um, has more experience, who can show you all those pitfalls. So, what is it like for you as a mentor to also have a mentor? Um, it's interesting because I seek out. I get in trouble with, for this a lot. <laughs> I like to hang out with people who are better than me. It's that old Glassman thing. Um, uh -huh. And so, you know, I don't have to be at the best at everything, but I have to find people who are at the best and then make them part of my circle. So, you know, Jeff Smith is, is my mentor. Um, he's really great at saying, Ashley, what are you doing next? What is your next thing? You know, it needs to be outside of this. How are you going to grow? I also, um, I'm leaving next weekend to go do the Diesel Day event um, with Brian Chantosh, um, which is, uh, do you know him? It's no. Nicole Carroll's husband. Okay. Um, so we're going to their house in Colorado because he has a great leadership um, thing that he's doing where you learn all about leadership from him. You do a super hard event for 24 hours, and then you do more leadership stuff. Gotcha. Um, so... It's funny because I seek out mentors of all different avenues so that I can bring it back to my mentees and be the best I can for them. Yeah, I have a hard time 
maybe following my own advice sometimes, mm. you know? Uh, yeah. So it's, I've got this business, I help other people get healthy, hopefully. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we spend so many hours doing that and coaching is so energetic. Um, even if I'm not the most energetic person, I put a lot of energy into people and into coaching and that this type of thing. And then I don't really have a whole lot of energy for myself sometimes. And so it's this fine line of doing enough for myself and not enough for myself. And I recently saw a post of yours where you hired a nutrition coach. Yeah. And are seeing success. Yeah. Right? And so you're following your own advice and saying, go get a mentor, go get a coach in, in whatever yeah. area you need help in, go and do that. So why do you think that works? Why do you think coaching works? Why do you think accountability works? I saw this one time on, um, it was on Goalcast, um, which is uh -huh. like 30 second, you know, videos that play or whatever. And so it talked about the greatest basketball players in the world have coaches. Um, you know, great athletes have coaches. At what point in our life did we decide to stop being coached? And why is it because we are a gym owner, we don't deserve a coach. Mm -hmm. um, and so that was the moment that I was like, you're right. It, this, this goal cast particularly talked about um, a surgeon who hired a better surgeon than him to watch him do surgery. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that makes total sense. <laughs> why do we not do this for ourselves? It's, it's an investment. So my nutrition coach, I have to pay. Mm -hmm. I I'm super excited to pay her because that's an investment in myself. That's something that I'm putting out there to actually get way better at. Yep. And so um, I think learning as an adult to make an investment in yourself is a skill that has to be learned. It doesn't necessarily come natural. Why do you think people don't hire coaches? I think we're not taught to as a, as a child. I think we are taught you go through school, you go through college, you, your learning is over. We are never taught that learning should be continued, that we should seek out people that are better than us on a continual basis. It's kind of like our system is set up to stop at a certain age. And so um, I hope to teach my kids that I want them to, to hang out with those that are better for, than them and also make that investment in the, into themselves. Yeah, I, mean, I know that when we signed up, I think January 1st, I think it was New Year's Day. Um, <laughs> so New Year's resolution, I guess. <laughs> yeah. uh, but um, when I was thinking of why we did it earlier, it's, you know, there's changes that I want to make in my life. You know, you're, you mentioned perfect day and, you know, it's my perfect day isn't necessarily spending all of my time being at the gym. Um, I do want to see the gym be successful and grow and help a lot of people. Um, so there's that. I want, I want to see that. And I, I believe that there are definitely tactics and things that Two Brain teaches that can help that. Accountability is, is part of it as well. And I was thinking that it's not cheap. Um, the initial right. investment wasn't cheap. Month to month is not cheap. But I was thinking it's cheaper than the cost of failure. Right. <laughs> so, you know, if you put it into perspective in the long term, it's like, yeah, okay, this is, like you said, it's a, it's a good investment. 
And then also, I've talked to other gyms and uh, talked to Chris Plenis, who was, uh, he did my, I don't, uh, I guess it was his discovery session or something oh, like yeah, that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and, um, you know, he had great success with it. And so, oh, lost my headphones. So, mm-hmm. that just kind of furthered my desire to work with you guys. Yeah. But yeah, I, th- I think a lot of people aren't taught to invest in themselves. And maybe even, like I said, your, your idea of success is different when you don't know what the possibilities are. Right. And so for a long time, I was like, oh, the gym is, is successful enough. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's doing what it needs to do. But, you know, like you, your perfect day changed. Maybe my perfect day changed. And maybe that possibility of what success is for the gym has changed. Yes. Yeah. And it's, it's, I hope it's forever changing. Right. How does your work with the gym and two brain carry over or does it carry over into the rest of your life? Um, it does tremendously. Um, it pushes me and I really love to be pushed. I hold myself to a super high standard. And so anything that keeps pushing me higher and higher and higher and I appreciate. And so, you know, I think, well, if my mentees was to be able to dive inside my gym and and show up there tomorrow, would they get the perfect no sweat intro or, you know, is is all these things happening at my gym? Um, Because I, I need to be the example of whether they work, like we put on boot camp, total failure, but I know all the things to do, not, you know, maybe the time was wrong, maybe what, how we did this or that. So, um, it pushes me to with at home because a big part of owning a gym or being an entrepreneur period is being a great leader. And so I really, I think that's the biggest area I'm focusing on right now is to become an extraordinary leader, um, at home. So my kids can leave a home where they're like, wow, that was, you know, that's a great example of what to do. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, and then for, for my mentees also, just walking the talk. There's like this thread that runs through my life where I'm kind of in the same position, no matter mm-hmm. kind of what area of life I'm in. So uh, as a teenager, my first job, well, I've only really had three jobs. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> un- unlike my girlfriend, who's had like 30 or 40 or 50 <laughs> jobs, that's me. Um, <laughs> I've only ever had three jobs and they are identical in their capacity. So my first job in high school, I was a caddy um, right okay. down the street at East Lake Golf Club. And through my experience of walking the course hundreds or thousands of times, I could help somebody have the best game they've ever had. Help them pick out clubs, help them find their ball. They don't have to worry about anything. I can help them learn how to putt, whatever it is. And then my background is in music. I'm a record producer as well. And my job there is to help people get the best record they can get, you know, and that's no matter if they are just weekend warriors or if they're multi-platinum artists, you know, you give them the same service, you help them get what they need out of that. And then the same thing as a coach and a gym owner, you know, I'm trying to help somebody become the best version of themselves or get, you know, whatever that goal is for them, make it easier through my experience. So do you have anything like that in your life where you feel like 
these common threads kind of run through the different areas of your life to kind of help you to become who you are now? Yeah. So I've been told that I, I have the ability to walk into a room and like, not command, but take over what's happening. And Hmm. so, um, but not from a dictator way, but just sort of, I'm a super smiley, happy person. And so everybody thinks of me as very joyful, which is cool because I am 90% of the time. The other 10% of the time, I'm like, I'm done. I got to lay in my room and not talk to anybody. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I think those, like I've always kind of been put in leadership roles. I've always, and it was more people putting me there. And so I assumed things about myself, but until bad things happened to me, I didn't actually dive into exactly what that meant to be as a leader. So, um, I've had 1 million jobs. I've even had jobs where I've had them for a day. Like I worked at a tanning supply place for a day (laughs) and I realized that the job was spraying down and cleaning sweat all day. And then I got a parking ticket and I was like, not for me. I also worked, (laughs) I worked at a NASCAR store for a day and I don't know anything about NASCAR. And so realized that I didn't want to learn anything about NASCAR and wasn't for me. Uh (laughs) I didn't realize NASCAR had stores. Oh yeah. It's big business like memorabilia and trading cards. And I don't even know anything about like baseball trading cards. Right. (laughs) Not, not for me. Uh So in both of your, your current careers as a gym owner, as a coach, and then as a mentor, Mm -hmm. how do you set boundaries with your clients in both of those careers. So obviously we're in the relationship business and we're friends with most of our people and you might even hang out with them outside of, you know, normal activities. So how do you set boundaries? So I learned this from the Two Brain Tinker group. At 7 p.m. every night, my phone goes into um, sleeping mode and there's only two people that can get through And so if I choose to look at my phone, it's me choosing those, those opportunities to talk to other people. Uh Um, this happens seven days a week. And, um, so it goes to sleep at seven and it wakes up at 8am the next morning. It's one of the greatest tools I've ever done in order to provide boundaries, um, for that. The other thing is, is we teach people how to treat us. So if I was to answer every text message right away or email right away, that becomes the expectation of me. And so I teach my coaches this, like, it's okay. You know, they have, when, when we have a new client sign up, they have four hours to get in touch with them. After that, they can give it 24 hours before reaching out again with, to answer a question or, or whatnot. But, um, I really believe in just we teach other people how to treat us. And so I try to set boundaries with that. Gotcha. And then regarding the rest of your perfect day, uh, we've talked about a couple of different scenarios that, that you're looking to expand into. And obviously you're doing the leadership courses and things like that. So you're constantly expanding your knowledge. Um, and then with your uh, recreation background, I imagine uh, that adventure is maybe part of that perfect day as well, um, or perfect life. 
And I also know that you were recently on uh, Bear Gorilla's Eco Challenge. I was. And so I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, so I thought when we were trying, when we made our video for the show, I thought we were trying out for the amazing race. I did not realize really what we were trying out for. So we had done uh, adventure races before, but nothing to this level. So this race was uh, 11 days. Uh, It's an expedition. So it's hundreds and hundreds of miles, right? Um, We had done 24-hour races. And our first race, we had never done an adventure race before. We're CrossFitters. We can do anything, right? (laughs) Right. This this is our mentality. (laughs) We show up at this race and the race director says to us, you guys have never done a race? And we're like, no. And he said, this is for Olympians. Like these are professional athletes. And we're like, man, we're good. We're CrossFitters. We can do anything. Hold my beer. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So we at three, two, one, go, these people take off running. And I was like, this is 24 hours. Like I'm not running right now. Uh, So we had to hike. uh, This is the first one we did seven miles. We canoed the entire Suwannee River. So we were in a canoe for like 22 hours, and then uh-huh. we had to bike 30-ish miles. When we got the okay, or you're accepted to the Fiji race, I started doing the research and was like, holy moly, what have I gotten myself into? Yep. Um, it was an incredible experience. Looking back on it, I wish I would have done some things different. I wish I've done my nutrition different. Uh-huh. Um, I didn't put my food at the top of my pack. And so, you know, when you're moving that much, you need to be consuming 800 calories an hour easily, Uh but you're still depleting. Like you're still never going to win the game on calories. Um, and, uh, I wish I would have done my, my hydration different too, but those are all lessons that you learn. Um, it was Bear Grylls is a, a character, I'll yeah. say that. Uh, super nice guy, but it, he is for sure a character. And uh-huh. um, it, was, it was really, really cool. Yeah. So we're, we're hoping to go back. We put in to go to Patagonia this time. Uh-huh. Um, we have some major redemption. We had a crazy story of they put us in a Famicow, which is uh-huh. a ancient Fijian sailing vessel. We were supposed to at three, two, one, go paddle 12 miles and then sail to an Island, get out to the ocean. And there is zero wind. So there is no sailing. And meanwhile, I took one sailing lesson in my whole life. <laughs> so like that's the that was one credit hour in college. Cred- yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so we get out, there's no wind. So we, now we have to paddle another 40, 40 miles or so. Uh, get to the most gorgeous island ever and um, hike a volcano in the middle of the night. Um, I will tell you this. There's two things that are prominent about Fiji. Is One is the people of Fiji are the nicest human beings you'll ever meet in your life. They literally are up in the middle of the night cheering you on, saying, Bula, and just so kind. Um, but there's also bullfrogs in Fiji that are the size of a small cat that have never uh-huh. seen another human. So these bullfrogs like stand there very aggressive and like, no, you get out of my way kind uh-huh. of <laughs> attitude. <laughs> and so, uh, but hide this volcano, thousands and thousands of bullfrogs got to the top, the most beautiful um, scene you can ever imagine. And uh-huh. had to get back into that dang Thamacow and uh-huh. got what they didn't show on the show was 
So we got caught between two cross tides. So there was two islands and the current was coming between the two islands. The wind was pushing us in a whole other direction. So basically we were just in a holding pattern for about six hours, just baking in the sun. A local Fijian comes up to us in his motorized vessel (laughs) and says, do you want, I've been watching you all day. Would you like a um, papaya? And I was like, yes, man, I will take your papaya. (laughs) So when he comes up to the boat, and our boat is made out of uh, plywood, he hits our boat and he put a hole in our boat. Uh, So when you watch the, I think it's the second episode, you see Kara standing up because the way an outrigger should sink is that the outrigger should go in the water first. Well, ours was sinking the other way. And so huge storm was coming and uh, our captain decided to call it there. So we have major redemption. This time it has horseback riding. And so I grew up riding horses. So that could be my jam. Yeah. (laughs) After I saw your post, I went and signed up. And oh, so, you did? <laughs> yeah, hopefully they, they will respond to me. They have not yet uh, oh, sent that's me even. Cool. Yeah, so we'll see. We'll see. But uh, yeah, Patagonia is definitely a bucket list item for me um, yeah. and, and was going to be uh, a trip that I made this year and okay. obviously did not get to do it. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I would love to do something like that. That's um, awesome. So as far as the show goes, I mean, it, obviously there's a lot of production uh, involved in that. But, I mean, you're packing your own pack. Like you mm-hmm. said, you, uh, you had to figure out maybe a different way to do your nutrition and your, mm-hmm. and your hydration. Um, did you have to bring all your supplies, or do they provide you with things, or, or how does that work? Yeah, they don't provide you with anything. Uh-huh. So we had to bring everything to Fiji. And um, here's what you're allowed to bring into the country of Fiji. Baby food mayonnaise and chocolate. That's it. <laughs> so we had food shipped over from New Zealand and we were told that this food um, was self-heating. It wasn't at all. And so we, so a lot of the like MREs now, you just pour hot water in it, right? And it makes the food hot, cooks the food. Ours didn't do that. We poured cold water into it and ate it crunchy. Uh-huh. <laughs> So, uh, no, they don't provide you with anything. They do give you a mandatory gear list uh-huh. that you have to have with you at all times. And one of those things I would do different is I would take that mandatory gear list and I would only bring that. Like, you're never right. going to stop moving in order to change your clothes. I mean, you might want to change your socks, but right. that's it. Like, mm-hmm. nothing else is – you're just constantly moving. And, and I love that um, mindset of – there is no end to this. Like, you know, we do, we do wads and you're like, okay, you know, I know the end, the end is in 20 minutes or I know the number of rounds. This is none of that. Right. And so, um, it's keeping a, a cheerful attitude during all of that. That's really difficult. Mm-hmm. So. so obviously CrossFit didn't prepare you entirely for it. Um, <laughs> but in what ways did it prepare you? Yeah, it prepared me. So I think CrossFit does two things for for me with adventure racing. One is it's a mindset thing. So I know like a million times, you know, we've all looked at wads and been like, oh, that's no way I could do that. Or there's no way I'm going to, and then you do do it, right? Um, It also did prepare me in, you know, I had done Chad, a thousand step ups for time with a weighted vest. So when I was climbing the volcano in the middle of the night, I just kept saying, I did Chad. Like I can do anything. I did that. 
And so it definitely, it, it helps prepare you mindset wise and, and working with people, um, to cheer you on and getting energy from that is helpful too. What else have you got on the horizon? Um, we're doing a race uh, this weekend. We're going to do another adventure race this weekend. I can tell anybody that's interested in racing to um, go out and find your local adventure racing groups. Um, they're growing um, tremendously. It's like CrossFit 10 years ago. Yeah. Uh, find those guys and girls already doing it and um, go start doing it locally because there is skill when it comes to reading maps, you definitely need a great navigator and you just need some experience in what it feels like to move for 24 hours, 48 hours, 36 hours constantly. So um, we've got that coming up. We're going to do our diesel day events. Kara and I are getting married November oh, 14th. Congratulations. So, thanks. So that's exciting. Um, so yeah, I try to keep a, I like being busy. Uh-huh. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me. And yeah. Um, yeah, so I guess I'll talk to you in our next meeting. Yeah, absolutely. I look forward to it. All right. Thank you. Thanks.